Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we got a public appearance tonight. For ours, uh, for San Diego? I can't. I'm having a bad hair day. Now, I believe it's sold out, right? So there's no... Yeah, it's sold out. So yeah. what happens it doesn't have any effect on uh, ticket sales or anything? I, like I heard it. tickets are uh, going for thousands of dollars on the scalper market, secondary market. But there's an exciting thing that's going to happen. Do we know yet if that's a secret or something we can announce? I don't know. I do not know. Seems like it'd be a good thing to announce, but maybe there's reasons you don't. Well, well right. What, what would the point be? I mean, it's sold out already. It's already. I would tune into the program tomorrow to hear us talk about it, certainly, oh, if I wasn't going to be there. Wow, 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 wow. Good point. Because it's, uh, it's good I'm point. excited about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. We'll look into it. You know. Special guest appearance. Is it Jeff Sessions and Jerry Brown on the same How stage? How dare you? To debate. It, How dare it, you? It may be. That's hard to do an impersonation of. I've been, How dare you? I've been trying for a day, and I can't get it right. How dare you? <laughs> I got it. I he, nailed it. He kind of runs out of wind or something. I don't know what happens. How dare <sighs> <sighs> Um. <laughs> 
So I mentioned earlier that uh, one of the things my son wanted to do for his birthday, by the way, last night when he laid down in bed, I said, so how was your birthday? And he said, it was great. Wow, fantastic. That's what you want, right? You could ask me that a couple of weeks ago. I wouldn't have told you that. Eh, I just said, eh. For you? I'm into the eh, years. For your birthday? Right. Oh, yeah. If you'd eh. ask me, my particular birthday, uh, did anybody notice it was my birthday? I would have said. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm not eight years old. Uh, I got nice texts from my kids. All three of them. Cool. It was beautiful. That's good. That was the high point. Meh. So my son got some presents. Oh, yeah, I got him one of the new Frisbees. First leap forward in Frisbee technology technology since the mid-60s. Really? Is the is the big round hoop Frisbee, you know, that's just a, it's like a small hula hoop. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. God, those are so great. Yeah. Those are so much better than Throw the other Frisbees. Throw them a mile. Oh, God, yeah. Well, and they got so much less weight when they hit your hand, too. Yeah, the, the oh, my littler one can catch and not be so scared of it. Yeah. Plus, they don't they don't turn sideways and end up way over there so often. Mm. <laughs> And then you got to go chase them, which kind of takes the fun out of it. Uh, pogo stick, Nerf football. None of, neither one of my kids like to play catch. You know, that's fine. What they're into. I would play catch all day long. Yep. I'd bug my dad the moment he appeared in the driveway. Throw his mitt at him. Let's play. Let's play. Let's play. I was, I was like my dog is now with chasing tennis balls with playing catch. <laughs> yeah. And uh, my kids aren't into it. And, like, I don't know anything about video games. So I'm thinking when they get a little older and into video games, I'm going to swap with a dad who knows how to play video games. Mm. And maybe he, his kid wants to play catch. Right. I'll play catch with his kid. Kid swapping. He can play video games with my kid. It'll all work out perfect. That's not weird at all. But we were playing. And one of the things my son wanted to do, because he'd heard his hey, best. Hey, catch, dad. You want to play catch? Of course I do. I'm your catch, dad. <laughs> it's beautiful. Um, he had heard from his uh, his buddy that their whole family had had done a Nerf fight. The whole family, mom, mm. dad, and the kids, wow, all with goggles on and Nerf guns in their hands, running around the whole house doing a doing a Nerf gun fight. So he wanted to do that, and we did that, and we got all ner- new Nerf guns and everything like that. And as I've mentioned, the new Nerf guns, if you've never used them, the, the technology on them, I mean, those things will freaking whistle, pew pow. I mean, they make a sound when they hit, and it hurts if you're close enough. Wow. So everybody wears eye protection. They make cool shields that you can wear and stuff like that. So it's it's a pretty it's it's closer to paintball than than you know. Are we Syria now? <laughs> this is play. This is a game. <laughs> I don't Jesus. get this. Listen, to I'm you. not that guy, and I can't believe it. <laughs> but the fact that the rifle version of the Nerf gun looks like an AR-15, and we were running around ducking and chasing each other down and trying to corner them to shoot them. Oh, jeez. Yeah, I know. Ah. <sighs> And I thought, clearly this is just in my mind because of the news. Because my kids are just having a good time. It's just like, it's tag. It's just tag for them. They have no violent, they have no imagery in their head. Right. It's soft dart tag. And I don't have any reason whatsoever, not even the tiniest bit, to think that this increases the number of shootings we have across America. I just, I don't believe that for a second. Um... But it was weird. I mean, so the culture has changed enough that even a guy like me playing that, I thought, this is a little strange. I'm running around ducking for cover. I would say if your kid likes to play the Nerf gun thing with his friends, and at the end they laugh and high-five and go have a juice box, that's great. If your kid plays the Nerf gun thing and at the end tries to bludgeon his friend with the butt of the Nerf gun, gun and has to be dragged off of his friend, well, then I think perhaps you do have a bit of a school shooter in the making. 
There you go. All depends on the rest of the kid's character. So after the horrifying Florida situation, as always happens, there was an increase in people, uh, well, in an increase in investigated threats. Some of them are real. Most of them are completely phony. And uh, and I didn't know this till USA Today did the research. There's no mechanism for keeping track of this. Never has been. Mm. And there's no national database of this for anything like that. So they did their best to try to come up with how many there have been in the last couple of weeks. It's only been two weeks and a day since the since the shooting. Their number they came up with is uh, over 600. 638 copycat threats um, since the Valentine's Day shooting there in Florida. They went about it. Pretty good way of doing it. By, uh, and this wouldn't catch all of them. They think this number's way low for how many were called into schools Mm -hmm. or investigated Um, because they went off of media reports. All the TV stations, radio stations across the country, it said local school. I got a school shooter threat, so they closed down. So that happened 600 times. They think that's way low. I'll bet it's way low. I know the one at my local school district didn't make the news. I don't think it went out to anybody other than parents. Right. I happen to hear one near where I live, and it was several days after the fact they went ahead and released the information. So, yeah, obviously, not only is there not a national database, there's no script for how you handle it at all. No. So, and they're yeah, always, almost always, I mean, very close to always, nothing. Mm-hmm. They're almost always nothing. Which is what the FBI is trying to tell us about their failure to react to all the tips about the actual shooter. Um, well, where's, where's the accountability for that, by the way? Different topic. I mean, it's so obvious. Oh, yeah. It's so obvious that the number one tactic of the bureaucracy that has committed a terrible crime or sin is just wait, 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 wait. Who failed to do their job and why what's wrong there how can you not figure that out in two weeks well the governor how can you not drag everybody into offices you know remind them of their oaths etc etc and come up with at least a solid thumbnail sketch of the problem with the system you'd find out in an hour if you really wanted to they got phone logs they know who was working they know who took the paperwork sure you can find out an hour if you wanted to and the fact that the governor of florida demanded to know he wanted full disclosure from the fbi and got ignored right that shows you who's in charge. Is it, it you or the government? The government's in charge. Of course. You They'll work tell for you the what, government, you fool. They'll let you know what they want you to know and nothing else. But who's the kind of kid that sends a letter to or a text or a, calls in a, a shooting? Um, authorities say there are usually two common traits with these individuals. They're young and their judgment is poor. Well, there, there, there's some useful information there. Yeah. Uh, in other so, words, kids. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Good one right there. Um, everyone knows you don't say bomb in an airport. We have to get to, because you do know that. You know That's not a joke you can make in an airport. Right. Um, there'll be big problems if you do that. It's going to make your life miserable. Yeah. We need to make it clear that it isn't okay at schools, and it's incredibly serious to, to make these sorts of threats. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the kids are doing it because they think it's funny or if they want attention. I don't have any idea. I would say some of each, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we joke about what we fear. That's just part of the human condition. And I could see kids making jokes about that as a way to deal with it. Uh, you know, I could also see kids who are, you know, a little sick, want attention, whatever. They want to, you know, maybe they're uh, on the receiving end of bullying or something. They want to be big and scary. The dramatic increase in threats after the shooting from ten about 10 a day nationwide to 70 a day nationwide. And again, they think those numbers are way low has left school administrators and authorities walking a fine line in dealing with the threat's credibility. 
It also has worried parents who fear sending their school their kids to school. You know, there were, there's one in my school district for one of the schools, not the school my kid goes to, but and uh, the, 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 there was mention of shutting the school down for Monday, and then I don't know what information they got over the weekend where they decided not to. But when I first heard it, I thought, "Don't shut down the school." I mean, I didn't know what was going on, right? Yeah. Right, but. Well, if you follow these things, too, somebody will find out and go to social media. And then you got the social media phenomenon of, you know, person A has the real information and relates it. They got a call. They got a tip. Person, usually D or so, decides that, you know what, I need to make this sound just a little more exciting. It's, uh, you know, and, and they'll add a descri- an adjective or an additional fact that came out of their own heads. And then it goes wild on social media. And before you know it, you got a third of the kids not going to school that day. And administrators are having to deal with that over and over again. 70 times a day, you said? Nationwide. I'm sorry, that was... That's after Florida. Yeah, yeah. yeah when, okay. it, it, it's 10 a day, just regularly, just normal life. Right, which is plenty. Yeah. Um, because because it's a, an FBI gets a call somewhere, and uh, and they got to decide what to do with it. And then your local school's got to decide, do we shut down? We get one of these, you know, we get one of these in our district once a month. Nothing's ever happened. That is tough. It's a lot harder than it sounds like. So then, how do you how do you fix a situation when you got a kid like the the the, the crazy kid in Florida, where you've got all the different dots? Is there some way to get those into one database? That database. You got a bunch of people who've called in saying he might be a problem. He even calls the sheriff mm-hmm. and the police visiting his home and the history of fighting and expulsion, all that stuff. Right. I don't know how you get all that information into one spot. Yeah. Well, if ninety nine. Plus percent of the time, it's nothing. That makes it really difficult to deal with. Right, right. Well, I think we ought to be talking about the uh, the contagion in society more. Nobody wants to talk about that. Uh, fatherlessness, breakdown of the families, kids not living a life of purpose. I could absolutely see schools starting to talk about the psychology, which is becoming more and more clear to me the more I read about it, of kids thinking, I don't like my life. This will give me a new life. I'm going to change everything. I'm going to get a fresh start. I will be a different person. That's what so many of these shooters say they were looking for, those who are still alive and can articulate it. And um, even those, you know, honestly, some of those who didn't make it, you can tell that's what they wanted. They wanted to change everything. And if you can, if we can, as a society, communicate to kids, all right, look, number one, let's have some compassion for innocent people who want to live their lives and live their dreams, blah, blah, blah. But also, the only thing you're going to change is, you know, you're going to be chained and raped in prison and beat up and led around for the rest of your life and never have any fun again. Because kids are so dumb. By the way, it took a... I mean, they don't... They they can't, and I couldn't either. I was dumb. Readily admit that. Um, They can't actually visualize what the reality of what they're going to do is going to look like. No. Look at this picture of what, uh, th- this isn't the Nerf gun we got, but you can get this one. Ours is similar, though. That's what it looks like. Wow. Wow. It's just a little more clear plasticky. Look at that, Sean. That's what the Nerf gun looks like. And you're running around shooting your friends with it. I mean, I'm not the kind of guy that says those shouldn't exist, but it oogs me out. Yeah, that's that That strikes me as, as odd. Yeah. I don't was. want to say wrong, but that's... that. Can we make it look like a ray gun, like we're space warriors or something like that? On its own, it doesn't mean anything, because my kids, completely unaware of even the concept of a school shooting, right. they're just running around playing cowboys and Indians or whatever mm-hmm. whatever game. Yeah. And uh, means nothing. Like I said, it's a, just a version of tag. But 
the manufacturer, I think, has got to be making it to look like an AR-15 for some reason, right? Yeah, to appeal to something? Yeah. Looks scary and dangerous and fun. Mm. I wonder how long that toy will exist. I could absolutely see public pressure coming to bear on the good folks at Nerf. All their fine uh, products, the Nerf Oop. I wouldn't fight that public pressure. I, I don't have any problem with them looking different than that. We could have the exact same game without them looking like the deadly weapons that are killing people. Right. Yeah. Uh, any comment? Our text line, 415-295-KFTC. If I've, I've, or I've gone, I've, maybe I've gone all limpress. 415-295-KFTC. You're listening to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So I just went around and showed everybody a picture of the Nerf gun, similar to the one my kids got, that they play with all the time, and everybody's reaction was the same. Ooh. Ooh. Nobody said, what's the deal? Well, I don't get it. What right. are you, what, yeah. What's the problem? Everybody yeah. went, ugh. Yeah, it's, uh, hmm. I don't know what to think of it. I don't know what to make of it. I don't know. I find the whole topic so depressing. I played with a gun that looked exactly like a gun when I was a kid. Yeah. Then I had a BB gun, which was a gun. Right. Yeah. I played cowboys and Indians and cops and robbers and the rest of it. I never, I've never shot one Indian in my entire life. Played but, cowboys and Indians. Have you wanted to? No. Well, of course not. Right. right. I'm not sure there's any link at all, like even a tiny bit. I don't, I'm not sure there's any whatsoever. There is. You think there is? There is. But it, it's one of those, it takes like four factors. Five factors to get a particular result. And comfort with pointing a weapon at somebody and pulling the trigger is one of them. But and Well, you're it, never going to do away with that. Well, well, you're never going to do away with no, that. No, but there are systematic ways of training. We've talked about this before. Dave Grossman's On Killing. It's a really fascinating book. It's talking about how the military uh, increased the firing rate, the actual pointing a gun at the other side's soldiers and trying to kill them rate from something like 50. 15% in World War II. Nobody knows this, but it's true. The number of soldiers who had no interest in shooting the other guys, and they'd shoot up in the air or into the ground or not fire at all. The rates were mind-bogglingly low up until they did a study after World War II and realized several things about soldier psyches and changed the the training. And in, in Vietnam, they get much, much, much higher firing rates. And now... The modern, you know, uh, soldier, sailor, marine, seal, etc., is going to point their gun and try to kill the guy almost all the time. And it has to do with training methods where they have real human-like targets and you fire at them again and again and again and again till you just don't even think about it anymore. Then when you re- introduce a real human into it, it is uh, you pull the trigger. And it's very different than laying on your belly shooting at a bullseye, which they did, you know, for most of military history. I get all that. I just I don't think there's any link. I don't think there'll be any link whatsoever in Nerf guns looking like a real weapon to anything else. And you're never going to do away with pretending to shoot something because the kid's going to run around with a rubber band on their finger or a stick or whatever. Right. So they'll be doing the action of them pretending to shoot somebody no matter what. Yeah, I'm just quibbling. I wouldn't say there's no tie-in. There is a tie-in, but it's like sixth on the list of things we need to deal with, and the first five are gargantuan. So Hmm. 
I just I find the that field of inquiry really really interesting. Anyway, so guns have been around for a couple hundred years, according to some. My the Chinese whole, invented gun gunpowder, Jack. Did you know that? My whole lifetime, kids have liked running around pretending to go bang, bang, bang. What did kids do before guns existed? Arrows? Crossbows? Did you pretend to stab something? There's clearly a need, particularly among boys, to get into a warrior mentality. Because you're built to grow up to be a warrior and defend your village. Right. Certainly, that's, yeah, combat of one sort or that's another. That's what's yeah. in your DNA. Well, so, like for most of human history, you had to be ready to defend yourself physically. So what did people do before guns, you suppose? Well, this would be... Ran around and pretended they had a stick and I'm going to stab you with it? This would be like in the 1500s then? Wrestling, like throwing things. I I think uh, some sort of... Wrestling, like Abe Lincoln, stripped to the waist. Come on, I'm I'm, I'm a warrior. That's right. Hmm. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it was probably, you know, wrestling and fighting and chucking rocks and uh, archery, the noble uh, archer. Certainly. Yes, the yeah. noble archer. Yeah, yeah certainly. put this apple on your head. Yeah. What's so noble about shooting a stick into somebody? <laughs> <laughs> the accuracy and dexterity of your shot. Yeah, right. Just... I'm not a violent person at all, but I wanted, uh, wanted a gun. I wanted a bow and arrow. I wanted all those yeah. things. All right, one final note, then we must move on because it's making me sad. I don't know why. I just I can't handle it today. Do you know who Marjorie Stoneman Douglas was? I've heard that name 500 times. The name of the high school? Yeah, yeah. American journalist, author, woman suffrage advocate, and conservationist. Known for her staunch defense of the Everglades against efforts to drain it and reclaim the land for development. Somebody was going to drain the Everglades and put a mall there? Do right. It. Get rid of the alligators. We do not need alligators co-mingling with people. <laughs> it is not necessary, Florida. Knock it off. What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, we got states' rights and telling lies. Sanctuary City's battle explodes. And a judge has just ruled a man's truck is indeed his home. Coming up minutes from now, Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Intended for this to be such a big topic, but man, we got a lot of interesting texts on the whole Nerf guns, toy guns thing, gun culture, whatever. I don't know. You can get a lot of you can get a lot of texts and calls on that anytime you want. It's one of those topics. Um, back in the day, people probably played play swords, play slingshots, yep. that sort of thing. I would guess it's true. I want to talk about the resurgence of Louis Farrakhan, darling of the left. Yeah, that's a flaming anti-Semite. Anti-white person. He's just a hater, but he's being embraced by the left. Okay, ABC just played the video of the five-year-old falling off a ski lift. Wow. Thanks for that. Wow. Wow. Horrible tragedy somewhere in the country. You have video of it. Got to run it. Okay, now I've seen it five times already. Run it again. Run it again. Run the injured child. Running over and over a little kid falling off a ski lift. That's good stuff right there. We have a picture of an injured child. We want to run it and run it again. New angle. They got multiple angles of little kid falling off a ski lift. Uh, So um, that's the kind of society we are. Weird. Let's get the news now with Marsha Phillips. Well, the Trump administration suing California over its sanctuary policies for illegals. Speaking in Sacramento, Attorney General Jeff Sessions saying a national system of lawful immigration serves the national interest. Immigration law is the province of the federal government. It's in the Constitution. This administration and this Justice Department 
are determined to make it work effectively for all our people. Now the AG going on to add, such a country as ours must have a lawful system of immigration and let no one contend that we reject immigration and want to wall off America from all immigrants. Now Governor Brown responded by ripping into session saying he's going to war with California. And like so many in the Trump administration, this attorney general has no regard for the truth. Said earlier today is not true. It is a lie. Brown pointing his finger at the feds for the overall problem these days with immigration. Now the federal government ought to do its job and not blame California for its own inability to solve uh, the problem, whether it's of crime or whether it's of immigration. Well, like most great scams, that was about 60% true. Yeah, the federal government has been completely negligent and has been for decades with the complicity of both parties. How dare you? And anybody with any sense knows it. On the other hand... (laughs) The idea that, <laughs> and shouldn't blame California for, uh, uh, no, you, you syphilitic old coot. He's saying you can't pass laws that specifically impede the federal government in its legitimate law enforcement capacities. Nobody's blamed to stop it, Jerry. Just stop it. Stop passing laws that obstruct justice. According to a new report, President Trump has been talking to people who've been interviewed by investigators looking into Russian meddling in the 2016 election. The New York Times says Trump has talked to White House counsel Don McGahn and former chief of staff Reince Priebus about matters they discussed with investigators. Now, Trump allegedly told McGahn that he should issue a statement denying reports he told investigators the president asked him to fire special counsel Robert Mueller. McGahn reportedly had to remind Trump that he did order him to fire Mueller. On another occasion, Trump probed Priebus as to how his interview with the investigators went. Now, if some are thinking this is a big no-no, well, you're right. But at the same time, the fact that there was no deep substance to the conversations and that Trump apparently waited until after the testimony was completed is what will probably save his day. Well, see, ah, God dang it. The whole media thing drives me crazy. So Brian Williams went huge on this story last night yep. as it broke in the New York Times. Trump spoke to witnesses about matters they discussed with the special counsel. Even the New York Times, their second line was, yep. experts say Mr. Trump's contact does not constitute witness tampering. Right. Then why is it a story? Then why is it a story? I don't understand why it's a story at all. Because they're whipping up partisans. And That's they the business they led with it all day long on MSNBC like something had horrible had happened. And even Partisan the, whippers. Even the New York Times legal experts say, no, nah, yep. he didn't do anything illegal, but but it's fun to talk about. Okay, I'm out. I just, I can't do it anymore. Well, there, there you go. That's the final prosecution witness. There's no reason to take MSNBC or NBC seriously at all if they're going to do that. Why are we discussing it if you all agree it's not illegal? <sighs> in a, How dare you? In a case that could indeed have some major implications affecting thousands of homeless, a judge in Seattle has declared the truck a man has been living in for years is indeed his home and ruled the city cannot tow it and then sell it to pay for parking tickets and fines. Cairo TV reporting the judge based his ruling on the 123-year-old Homestead Act that says outright the government can't force anybody to sell their home to satisfy debts. This looks like the first time a vehicle has been declared a home. I'd like to read more about it and think more about it, but I think the judge is right. Mm-hmm. Hello and question. I mean, the, the point is one of denying someone shelter, which is beyond the pale. Uh, and if that's his shelter, 
Are there any ridiculous examples of if if my point of view is extended to I don't know dumpsters? I'm trying to think this through. Yeah, I've get- always assumed I'll end up living in my truck at some point, so I'm following this closely. I just assume that's where my life will end up. I don't even have a truck. Amazon users, I'm are- going to live in a passenger sedan. I've attempted to sleep in sedans, and uh, you end up with a crick in your back. Yes, you do. Amazon users reporting strange laughter coming from Alexa-enabled devices. <laughs> that sounds just like Hillary's laugh. Do we have the Hillary laugh? So, does this just happen randomly? Your, your Alexa just all of a sudden starts giggling like Just when the satanic spirit within right. the Echo decides to laugh at you. Some are saying it's doing it randomly. Others uh, are reporting that it happens when you give it a command. Yeah, basic so, command. Yeah, there, there isn't a... It always happens when this thing... It's kind 100% of random. 100% of the time it happens right before she comes in and steals your soul. Because <laughs> my kid will freak if, if it starts doing that while he's laying in bed trying to get to sleep. Yeah. Satanixa... Order me some dog food. Satanixa, please don't rip up my soul. I mean, if you're already yeah. worried there's a zombie in your closet, and right. then you start hearing, <laughs> as you're trying to get to sleep, no! that is not going to help. I'm not laughing, damn it, I'm not laughing! And damn it, don't you laugh! How many times have I been through the... How many times have I been through the, what is that over in the corner? It's your jacket. Here, see? It's your jacket. Your jacket is laughing. It looked like a zombie, but now yeah, if it's yeah. laughing, it's going to be harder for me to explain. <laughs> All right. If, that's, if the jacket doesn't want his brains, it's probably not a zombie. There you go. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> indicator. That's a wrap. That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. That's a good eagle. Throw him a mackerel, Marshall, would you? you got to reward good behavior right. in training an animal. I suppose. Oh, you caught it. Wow. I'm going to make an unfair argument on behalf of others. I suppose okay. you could say, hey, Jack, your kids wouldn't have nightmares if you didn't chase them around with a with something that looks exactly like a gun and try to shoot them. Oh, boy. I thought somebody could say that. Oh, boy. I'm uncomfortable with the whole thing. Yeah. We got a bunch of texts on that. I don't know. I don't know if you want more of that or not. Probably not. Almost certainly not. <laughs> Do I get a vote? Yes, you get a vote. All right. Mm. Um... He got a boxer slash rapper leaving 150 grand in a restaurant in a bag. He was carrying it around in a bag. That's what I do. I carry around large amounts of cash in a, in a paper bag. And your spare bling. Mm. You never know when you're going to need it. Well, some, some days you want to swap out your bling. I'm tired of this bling. Let's go with that bling. Stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation. The Armstrong and Getty Show. He's he's a little confused and a little concerned about what's going on. He didn't have a lot of information while he was in custody. That's the lawyer for the guy who stole Francis McDormand's Oscar? Yes. Francis McDormand? Whatever her name is. Um, so guy stole her Oscar and now he's got a lawyer and I saw there's a new wrinkle. I don't know. <laughs> Just, <laughs> they don't, they're not exactly sure how he got in. Really? Yeah. 
You wasn't supposed to be there. Wow. I, that's why, I would try all night to crash an Oscar party just for the giggles of saying I'd done it. That's why I would be comfortable leaving my Oscar on the table. You'd think in this crowd, nobody's going to take this. I mean, we're all. Right. Everybody's in. We're, yeah. we're the in crowd. We're yeah. the hipsters. We're the important. Some guy who snuck in stole her Oscar. There are no non-celebs here. Please, if there are any, catch them, fumigate them, delouse them, put them down in the dungeon. I could. Yeah, I ought to try to do that someday crash an Oscar party just because I don't care and I wouldn't be you know so I'd be the perfect guy to do it I could achieve an era of nonchalance because I would be nonchalant you gotta wait until a party is like an an hour and a half into a long party that's when nobody's paying attention to who's walking in and out the doors from the bathroom and stuff at a big hotel or something you could go into any party at the beginning that's a little tougher but yeah haven't you been to a lot of events where there's security and stuff. And then by the end of it, everybody's just walking. <laughs> right, right. And because of my age and demeanor, often when I'm with my brother on a military base, um, people, uh, the young uh, sailors mistake me as an officer. Um, uh, do you make them do push-ups? I occasionally. Hey, 20. Right <laughs> I, now, I didn't like the way you, that salute was a little iffy. I once, and I'm not proud of this, ordered an attack on Newfoundland. <laughs> <laughs> it was an error in judgment. I had been drinking. Uh, <laughs> But anyway, I could absolutely see uh, heading for some Oscar party, renting a couple of hotties for the evening, and uh, coming off as some sort of producer dude with a couple of young uh, gals on my arm. Eh, you know, I'll sport an expensive wristwatch. They'll let me right in. Please, please. Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? Of course, that line in Hollywood is <laughs> pretty played. Well, speaking of Amelia Earhart's bones, we haven't been, but we're about to. They're pretty sure. That they found her bones. Nicomoro. Nicomararo is the name of the little island in the Pacific. What was she attempting to do now? I don't fly around the world. She was trying first to, woman to fly around the world. Trying to fly around the world. First woman to cross the Atlantic. Great aviator. Great uh, woman's rights advocate. Hero to many. Disappeared. Yeah. Rangy gal, tall, which factors into the story. And when did she disappear? 1985, something like that? 37. Okay, 37. So a new scientific study claims the bones found in 1940 on the Pacific island of, you know, uh, Nick, sure. you know what, uh, belonged to Earhart. Now, in 1941, they did a forensic analysis that thought, these are man's bones. But, well, in 1941, the forensic science was, yeah. you bite them, you see what the bone tastes like. Tastes like a man's tastes bones. Tastes like a man. <laughs> science wasn't all that good, is what I'm see, saying. See, I didn't know that, Sean. So, anyway, uh, and then the uh, the bones were discarded for some reason, uh, which was Didn't another stupid idea. But uh, for decades, they've remained an enigma, but the uh, but the modern, oh, also found at the time. They found a human skull, then they ordered a search, they found more bones, what appeared to be a woman's shoe, other items included a box made to hold a Brandis Navy surveying sextant from 1918, and a bottle of Benedictine, an herbal liqueur. And that's proof that it's Amelia On the rocks, please. Um, When the 13 bones were shipped to Fiji and studied... um, The osteology, the study of bones, in its early stages, as Sean pointed out to us, um, but so modern scientists have gotten all the data they had and run it through modern databases, and they say um, they're more similar to uh, oh Earhart's bones based on everything known about her. More similar to the Nicomoraro bones than ninety nine percent of individuals. 
Um, and the bones were from a, a woman, uh, an unusually tall woman of European ancestry. Okay. And she was five to seven to five eight. But so do they think she... Which was several inches taller than the average woman, especially at that time. So do they think she crash landed, was dead, and uh, natives buried her? Or do they think she lived, you know, on the island and married a dude and had uh, native children and was their queen or something? Uh, no, indeed. Keeping in mind that the bones were found a couple of years after she disappeared. Uh, no, they believe she and her navigator, Alain, were captured by the Japanese, tortured, and killed. Really? Who believed them to be American spies. Well, yeah, yeah, I would understand why you would believe that. Yeah, this was, of course, in the 1930s when the drums of war were arithin. That's not a good ending to that story. No, no. Yeah, if that's what happened, if she she landed alive in the Japanese, um, yeah. That's according to many learned authorities and historians who've studied all the evidence. That is by far the most... uh, um, uh, likely outcome. Uh, let's see. Uh, Japanese military history blogger matched the photo from that island to one first published in 1935. Japanese travelogue. Blah, blah. Oh, that's undermining another theory. Okay, sorry. So anyway, they think they're pretty sure. Yeah, she landed on that island in the uh, the Japs to cite the nomenclature of the time. Thought she was a spy and killed her. That's a little grim. Grimm's fairy tales. Here, how about this one? It's a little more cheery. New York, New York. Pugilist Jamal Charlotte, age 27. He's a fighter and, as I understand it, a would-be rapper. Of course, everybody's a would-be rapper. He was partying with his assistant and several biatches to cite the parlance <laughs> of his crowd at Jay-Z's 4040 Club in Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Early Sunday. I like when they say early Sunday. Wow, so he got up, he did his road work at 6.30 in the morning, and he went to Jay-Z's club. No, it was, start on the day. It was late, 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 late Saturday <laughs> night, about 3 o'clock in the morning, when this boxer starts John with somebody, decides to fight him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a boxer. He is okay. a boxer. You can understand why he would want to move the, the realm to that sort of sure. environment. So one of his brand new best friends, the aforementioned Biatches, he hands to them, and, well, I'm sorry, his assistant hands one of the women a bag he was holding, he, she was holding for him, with 155 gur in cash and many thousands of dollars worth of bling. That he carries in around in a bag. Yes, exactly. That's an interesting lifestyle. And she decides to enter the fray, apparently, and hands one of the party gals the bag, who takes a glance in it and says, Yoink! I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm Audi 5000, as they used to say. And then runs out the front door, so now they're trying to track Jeez, down I'm, the I'm, aforementioned party girl who uh, ain't talking. I'm an honest person, but I'd be tempted. Somebody I don't kind of hardly know hands me a bag. They're involved in other things. Right. It's late at night at a bar. I look at it, it's full of cash. I'm hammered. I've it, known it, this person it, about four hours. Exactly. It could I'm going to wander toward the exit. Just see if anybody stops me. Nobody stops me. I keep wandering, thinking anybody stops me. I'm saying, yeah, I'm getting the hell out of there and holding on to this for you. I'm keeping it safe. Because it could be Don't noon It could be noon tomorrow before anybody says, hey, did, whatever happened to that bag? Does anybody know? Oh, wow, the bag. Hey, call the restaurant. See if the bag's still there. <laughs> uh, the cops described the main bag snatch suspect. Boy, get that sentence right. As a white woman <laughs> with straight blonde hair, 5'10", about 165 pounds, curly gal, tall, rangy. Last seen wearing a dress, a jacket, and carrying a blue bag. There you go. The downside 
of being out late at night drunk with a bag full of money. I try to never carry more than about 60, 75 gur worth of cash and bling on me. <laughs> In the middle of the night. Right. Yeah. The rule of thumb. We're going to talk to a Republican congressman from California about uh, Sessions versus California and the whole immigration thing. Which is such a mess. Yeah, yeah it is. Uh, so stay tuned to the Armstrong and Getty Show. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.